Lord, you give vision and strength. You give provision. Lord, you are our healer. You are our provider. God, you are just uh, an amazing God. And Lord, the things that we stand in need of tonight, uh, we just lay at your feet. Lord, whether there's trouble at school or with friends or trouble at work, Lord, or even within our homes, God, we give that to you, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would be uh, ministering to our hearts, God. Draw us close to you. And Lord, as we consider uh, a really a great leadership principle tonight on the power of vision, God, I pray that you would uh, just capture our hearts, Lord. Help us to focus on you and to be able to translate what we talk about tonight into our, uh, into our daily walk with you and uh, wherever we go. Lord, we thank you for this. We praise your name in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. Yes, of course. Yes. Sure. Sure. You bet. You bet. Um, how many do you guys know Tim and Sharon Ponce? Uh, a few of you guys probably do. Their little girl, uh, Charlotte, was the one that was attacked by the raccoon and has had a bunch of surgeries. Um, his twin brother, what Eva was just saying, has stage four liver cancer, and they just must have found that recently. Wow. Okay. Let's just lift him up here for a moment, okay? Father, we just come before you um, on behalf of the Ponce family. And Lord, we don't understand all your ways, but God, we do know that you are a good God. And God, that you call us to pray, to believe. And Lord, I know that you're the healer. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would touch uh, Tim's brother, uh, Tom, and Lord, that he would sense your presence and your healing virtue just to flow through his body right now in Jesus' name. God, wherever he is, Lord, if he's in the hospital or if he's at home, God, I just pray that you would comfort him, give him a tremendous peace. And Lord, I pray for Tim as well, God, Lord, that you would just protect his mind. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, strengthen him, God, that he would be an encouragement to his brother Tom through this time. And we just ask this for your glory, for your honor. And Lord, uh, uh, we, just, we just ask for a miracle on their behalf, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, you guys sounded really good singing, let me just say. <laughs> it was great. It's, isn't it great to come and to worship the Lord a little bit? And then it's great to, uh, we are on a journey of leadership principles. Uh, our goal is to become master level leaders through this Connect 301 process, and uh, I believe God is helping us to move in that direction, and uh, we talked, we've kind of, let me just give a quick snapshot where we've been, that we've got some that are, uh, haven't been at all of the meetings so far. We talked about master-level leadership is that what we are striving for, and master-level leadership uh, has three prerequisites, um, three things that have to be evident in our lives if we're going to be a master-level leader. And can anyone remember what the first one was? Yes. A servant's heart. Very good. All right. We got them got rolling on. Now what's number two? 
a teachable attitude, good. And a third is an ever-growing heart after Jesus. And I see that all over you guys tonight, just even in your worship. And that's for students and for adults alike. Then we had the choice, are we going to be authentic or synthetic? Are we going to be man-made or God-made? And we want to be authentic leaders we, with a proper attitude. We looked at the attitude. We looked at renewing our minds as leaders. We've talked about a surrendered heart. Aren't you glad God doesn't require us to become perfect before we can be used by Him? Because none of us would be used by him if we had to be perfect. <laughs> That's just the reality. But God, look, it's not for a perfect heart, but a what? Do you remember? A surrendered heart. A surrendered heart. And then last week we talked about uh, moving in that direction. We talked about spiritual gifts a little bit, and, uh, and that was uh, exciting. I hope that you've taken the spiritual gifts test. And uh, some of you did. You kind of came in and said, hey, I, I got it. And what we love is to set up a time to sit down with Pastor Pete or with me and look over your spiritual gifts test and say, okay, where would it be that God would be uh, encouraging you? Where could we fit you in to serve here at the gate? church and to begin to be used. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the power of a personal vision. Today's or tonight's message uh, really separates achievers in life from those that are just drifters, that will just go through life and just from one thing to the next, and those that really achieve and accomplish a lot uh, in, in life. It kind of separates those, what we're talking about tonight, uh, those that would look at an acorn, and I don't have an example with me, but would look at an acorn and say, that's an acorn. Well, okay, that's true, it's an acorn. But someone that has vision, what does an acorn become, potentially? An incredible oak tree that grows and reproduces all kinds of acorns. And that's what we want, is to be able to see, when we look at circumstances in our lives, to see beyond what the reality is today, and to be able to see uh, God, God's hand in his future. I want to start with some scripture. There's three that I want to uh, look at first. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You can grab your Bibles and kind of follow along. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, Now to him, and it's talking about Jesus here in the context, now to Jesus who is able to do immeasurably more, everyone say more, more than we could ask or imagine. Some of the versions say ask or think. That word in the Greek means to imagine or to envision. And we are called as believers to ask for more, I believe. Turn with me to John chapter 4. It's interesting what, what we read here in John chapter 4. Jesus is talking He's talking about the harvest field. He's talking to his disciples. And he says, look, my food is, uh, is to do the will of him who has sent me and to finish his work. But verse twenty or 35 says, do not say four months more and then harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Open your eyes. He's saying, I want you to see what others don't see. Open your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Everyone say, look up. That's what vision is. It's seeing what others don't see. And then one more, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. I love this. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So let me ask you, what is vision? And I've got some uh, illustrations of what vision is. But when you think about vision, uh, what comes to mind? Maybe it's a painted picture of the future. Um, You know, vision is kind of what's around the corner. Well, there's a couple things I want to kind of direct our attention and to kind of think of vision maybe in a new or a fresh way. The first point there says that vision is like a cup that enables or limits your ability to receive from God. So if you have a large cup, and you could be filled up, or you could have a small cup, and your vision is like a cup, it can limit or enable God uh, to, to receive from God. Our cup can never be too large, though. We need Our job is to ask and to envision, like John, uh, or like Second um, Corinthians says, or Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3, it says, to, to envision, to ask, and God will do even more than we could ever imagine. And vision is that something special, to see the invisible, to see beyond our resources that causes us to feel challenged and compels us to make our mark on this world and to walk through it. Now, I know that you are here tonight and you're saying, I want to be a master-level leader. Well, master-level leaders have vision. Vision is not just for the one leading an organization. You can have a personal vision for your life. And there's examples of this all throughout Scripture. There's a few here. It's interesting that in Adam and Eve, they were tempted with a vision. The devil came in and tricked them and said, look, and he painted this picture, you will be like God if you just eat of the fruit. Vision. Even the enemy used vision in that circumstance. Elijah with the barren woman, interesting story there. But let's think about Abraham and Sarah for a moment. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90, all dried up. And there's this, there's this, uh, there's this vision that's cast by, by, there's this vision that's cast by an angel that says your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. I mean, I could just imagine, 90 years old, come on. I just did a funeral for a guy today, 86 years old, and I'm thinking, you know, a woman that age, you know, plus four, you know, 90 years old, probably didn't have her teeth or anything, but all of a sudden, she gets a belly on her, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just like, it's, it's impossible. But, but there's this picture painted, and they start to walk in the impossible, and it happened. The same is true with Gideon. It's an interesting story. Gideon is, is described that he would become Israel's deliverer. And the angel describes him as a mighty man of God. And Gideon, what did he say? He says, who, me? And he's looking around saying, you've got to be talking about someone else. He says, I'm just a wine presser. But what God wanted to do there was to enlarge his cup. And I believe that God wants to enlarge our cup of vision so God can fill it to overflowing. You think of the importance of vision. And, uh, you know, Proverbs 29, verse 18, you've heard the verse before, without vision, what? The people perish. If vision fades within an organization or within a business or in your schoolwork or with relationships or if vision fades within your finances, it will lose momentum and 
focus. So we have to keep our vision sharp. We've got to keep it in front of us. And I believe there's some principles of vision that will speak to our hearts tonight. I want to look at these. Um, the first one is that if you can see the invisible, 2 Corinthians 4.18, if you can see what is unseen, I believe that you can accomplish the impossible. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. That sounds good. And Pastor Ben, he's just all about the motivation, right? But I believe this. If you can see the invisible, you can accomplish the impossible. Because what vision does, it kind of assesses where we are now, where we are going, point A to point B. Vision is kind of a big picture Kind of a, an eagle soaring up over the over the um, up into the sky, looking down from maybe five thousand feet or something. It gets a big picture of what could be, and it really directs us where we are headed. And again, this can apply in business or with your schoolwork or with school or with church here, with relationships, with finances. This can affect each and every area of our lives. You can have a personal vision for your family, how you want to raise your kids, what kind of marriage you want, what kind of financial situation you want. And these things are principles that are important. And what vision does, it takes us from A to B, and it's kind of the big picture look. A couple other on the second, second side of your page there. Vision is the driving force behind all motivated people. If you know someone that is full of vision, they are the passionate ones. That that they are driven by something. What drives people is vision. A picture of the future that they can see. They don't see it now, but they can see the invisible. They can see around the corner, so to speak. But I want you to know that vision is not the same as just hard work. There are people that will work hard, work hard. They'll do the work, they'll do the work, or they'll be a striving for the approval of men or whatever. And they, that, that is not what vision is. But true vision leads, I believe, to real success. It does. Real success is the results not of just having money or resources or hard work or the approval of men or, or other things. Real success is the result of a vision burning deep inside your heart. And I believe God wants to place that in your heart. And we're going to talk about how to get that. But I was thinking about vision for a little bit. Back in the early 80s, maybe even the late 70s, you guys uh, heard of a guy named Steve Jobs? Yeah? He passed away a couple years ago. He had a vision. He had no money to speak of. But he had a vision that every family would have a computer in their homes. Are you familiar with the story? And so he developed Apple or Macintosh at that time. And and what's interesting, you fast forward all these years and think about it. How many of you have at least one computer in your home? Everybody, I bet. I added up in our house, by the time you figure out your, uh, my cell, our cell phones and iPad and iPods and computer and laptop, we have eight computers in our home. The fulfillment of a vision by a visionary Steve Jobs. But he had to believe it. He didn't see it back in the early 80s or the late 70s. 
but he saw beyond the curve. And now we are all uh, a recipient of that. Every single one of us at least have some sort of computer device in our homes. But there are some things that will freeze or kill vision. And I want to talk about these for a moment. I got seven of them, and, uh, and I want you to write these down because they're important to be able to recognize that, hey, these are some things that will limit vision in our lives. The first one is this. What will freeze the gasoline of vision or clog it up or kill vision is not reaching beyond ourselves. If we do what we've always done, we will get the results that we've always had. Does that make sense? But what vision does, it dares to dream beyond where we are today. A preferred future. To reach beyond ourselves. But if we don't, if we just say, well, I'm comfortable here, that will kill vision. That will freeze vision. The second thing is that will kill vision is when you see average as the standard. If you get into a mediocrity-type situation where mediocre is okay, well, let me just say, God does not want you to be average. God does not want me to be average. He has created us to be above average, to work is unto Him. And He can put something in our heart that will motivate us and drive us to real success. But if we start as a church, for example, if we say, well, we're doing as good as these other churches, well, do you know what most churches do? (laughs) They level off or decline. There are very few churches in America that are really growing. And I don't want to be average. I want to be above average. I want God to move here in a way that we could that would blow our minds to cre- to do the impossible. That's what we are believing for. And in your own life, in your own circumstances, if you say, "Well, average is okay," if that becomes a standard, it will freeze vision in your life. The third thing I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter three. Mark chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. We'll read it here in a second. But the third thing that will freeze up vision or kill vision is taking unity lightly. Let's look what it says. It's interesting. Mark chapter 3. Whoops. Wrong page. It says, if, the, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. What will freeze vision more than anything within a church or in a business or in a family is a lack of unity. If there's constant turmoil in your family, it will kill vision in your family. If there's constant turmoil in a church, it will kill vision the vision of the church. We cannot afford to take unity lightly. And so we work hard at that. Number four, I want you to write this verse down. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 through 21. In that, and it'll give you the assignment to read it later, there are 10 or 11 things that will kill vision 
within a, your own life or within an organization or at school or wherever, you would, you would apply it. it uh, Ten or eleven things, and I encourage you to read that later. There are three more I want to talk about. The, the next one is if you are obsessed with immediate profit or with immediate growth, that will kill vision. Let me explain. If all you're concerned with is what happens today in an organization or within the church, for example, um, you will, it will kill the vision. If all we can focus on is what's happening this week instead of what's happening over the next year or next five years or even ten, it will kill vision because it's like driving a car. When you learn to drive a car, and some of you guys uh, will be learning to drive a car hopefully soon, if you look just over the hood, what happens? You don't see anything. You're going to end up crashing, but you will be like weaving in and out. Driver's ed teachers, they train you to look ahead of the road, and they do that, and it keeps you on the straight. If you're plowing a field and you're looking down like this, what's that line going to look like? It's going to look like a wavy line. But if you look down the line and you get a fence post and you just keep your eyes fixed, you're going to create a, a nice straight line toward the goal at the end. Does that make sense? And the same is true with, with this. If you're obsessed with immediate profit or with immediate growth, it just today, concerned with today, it will kill vision. Two more. The, um, this one, next one is hard to say. And I... I and I'm just going to say it and just let it sink in. But passive people in prominent positions will kill vision. Passive people in prominent positions will kill vision, will freeze the gasoline of vision. Let me explain just for a moment why this is so important. Here, let's just put it into our context here at the Gateway Church. Pastor Pete and Deb and the other staff and myself, we need leaders that are passionate and focused and are unified. But if we bring people on that are just okay with the average or even below average, and we put them in prominent positions, how many know we are in trouble? That will kill vision. So we are looking for master-level leaders in key, prominent positions. How many know quality attracts quality? You will never lead people beyond your ability in the level of leadership that you are. If you are a, a 5 out of 10, you can't lead people that are a 7 or 8. And so we need to take you, if you're a 5, and move you to a 6 or a 7. If you're a 7 or an 8, you need to move to an 8 or a 9 because... God, we know that quality attracts quality, and, and you will not be able to lead those that are, le- that are above you. The last one, then there's lots of other things we could talk about, but what freezes the gasoline of vision is if we get in a rut or if we are boring. Think about it. In your business or at school or on your sports team or here at church, if, if it is not enjoyable or exciting, it'll kill vision. Not that we have to manufacture something that's not there, but when we are enjoying ministry, how many know when you come to church, 
It should be fun. It should be enjoyable. There should be a charge that kind of comes in our, in our souls, and uh, we should look forward to it. But if we just come, and we're just bored, and we, you know, nothing is, is different, or, or uh, you know, it's just same old, same old, that will kill vision faster than anything you could imagine. And so we've got to remain on the cutting edge. We need to bring the fun. We need to keep it exciting. We need, to, uh, we need to see God move because how many know when God moves, it's exciting. A couple weeks ago, we had two, uh, two people. They're a couple that's engaged to be married. Their friends had been inviting them for three months to church. They come to church. It surprised their friends. And God was working in their hearts and it came to the altar time. And when it was time for salvation call, both of them raised their hands. And not only did they raise their hand, they came forward, came forward to the altar and had a genuine experience with the Lord. God saved them. Don't tell me that, I mean, if things are like that are happening, I'm saying I want to be a part of a church like that. Amen? But if you just show up, it's the same thing. We sing the same songs, get out at the same time, you know, we, you know we, whatever. If it's boring, Forget it. That's a vision killer. And so we got to be aware of some of these things. So question, how do you get vision? Number one, this is critical. I want you to underline this. I want you to circle this. True vision is born in prayer. Where do you get vision for your life? Is when you're spending time with your Heavenly Father. In the series that we're doing right now, The Circle Maker, we're encouraging you to take some time out of your life, a half a day or a full day even better, take a journal and get alone with the Lord in your Bible and listen to what God is saying. Because God wants to speak to you. He wants to inject into your life all kinds of vision for the future. The second thing, how do you get vision? You don't have to, or the question there is, you don't have to understand how it will all come to pass. When you don't have to figure it out. That's God's job. If he's put it in your heart, he will help you accomplish that. But if you take that and you go back up to the top there under real success, three keys to real success is vision, knowledge, and obedience. That knowledge is important. So you see what God wants. You you say, okay, God, what is it? You're answering the what, the vision. What does God want? But then you've got to discover and seek out how to get it. That's the knowledge piece. And then once you know how to get it, and God has spoken, then you better be obedient. You've got to obey what God has put in your life. A couple other things here. Vision is a seed of what will become reality. It's a seed of what will become reality. And the facts are always subject to change. But you know what doesn't change? God's Word. So when God speaks a vision, you know that it will line up with God's word, and it's so important. I want to close with this. If you can see the invisible, 2 Corinthians 4.18, you can accomplish the impossible. I believe more than ever that God is calling us as a body of believers to the impossible. If that's the case, we have got to, as as a team, as, as leaders, to be able to see the invisible. So I want you to underline the you in those circumstances, and I want you to put I under each of those you's. And I want you to say this in your spirit. 
if I can see the invisible, I can accomplish the impossible. Let's say it together. If I can see the invisible, then I can accomplish the impossible. And I believe God desires this in our lives more than we could ever imagine. But we've got to be willing to do what he's called us to do. I know I took a little longer tonight, um, and we're going to dismiss the students here in just a moment. But I want you to consider, how does this leadership dynamic challenge you? And what are you going to do to apply these principles in your day-to-day life starting now? I challenge you more than ever to get away with the Lord. Take a half a day or a full day at best and answer the question, what, what does God want for me to do? Amen? Let me pray. Lord, help us to discern your will. Help us to be people of vision and of passion. Lord, I believe you are calling us in our areas of ministry, in our areas of influence, in our relationships, in our families, in our finances, to have great vision, to see a picture of a preferred future, to vision, uh, to see our cup expanding where it will enable us to be able to receive more from God. God, I pray against anyone who would have a small thinking when it comes to the Lord's work in their lives. And Lord, maybe where vision has faded, maybe where momentum has waned, where focus has been lost, I pray that it would be recharged in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, help us. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.